How did the first life originate? Scientists and philosophers have been asking that question for centuries. Some biochemists thought they knew, but a scholarly book is strongly questioning the answer biochemists theorized. In fact, the evidence presented in the book is so strong that a scientist who wrote a famous textbook promoting the idea that chemicals evolved into living cells is now writing against it. Welcome to a program that discusses the big questions of life. How did the universe begin? How did Earth become a planet where life can exist? And how did we humans get the exquisite organs that enable us to do things that no other species can do? If you want your mind stretched, stay here with us at Truth in the Test Tube. On our previous program, we talked about a professor in trouble. Dr. Dean Kenyon taught students what he believed was true, but it wasn't what university leaders thought students should hear. His administrators didn't say he was teaching untruth. They didn't think first-year students were ready for that part of the truth. If I remember correctly, this professor had previously written a book that presented an innovative idea. His book had convinced much of the scientific world. Now he doubts his own hypothesis. One reason for his international fame is his book entitled "Biochemical Predestination." In it, he provided a hypothesis of how he thought non-living chemicals might have combined spontaneously to produce living substances. But several years ago, Dr. Kenyon read the manuscript of the book "The Mystery of Life's Origin: Reassessing Current Theories." It contradicted his theory and others like it. Professor Kenyon changed his mind so completely that he wrote a foreword for the book that opposed his own theory. I read one review that says Dr. Kenyon acknowledged in print that his earlier interpretation had been based on what he now calls a fundamental flaw. Yes, Dr. Kenyon describes the new book as cogent, original, and compelling. He negates his earlier opinion in these words. The authors believe, and I now concur, that there is a fundamental flaw in all current theories of the chemical origins of life. Is he saying that life did not originate from chemical substances? Not quite. He is saying life did not originate from chemical substances combining themselves randomly. He is saying that chemicals needed intelligent guidance to combine them into living substances. He acknowledges that fact, in spite of the fact that much of his professional fame rests on having previously written the exact opposite. You've aroused my curiosity. Please elaborate. Professor Kenyon writes that experimental study of the origin of the first life on Earth began with research by Stanley Miller in the early 1950s. Didn't Stanley Miller take various inorganic compounds and pass electrical sparks through them? Yes, he began with ammonia, NH3, methane, CH4, and other simple substances. He speculated that lightning might have made them combine into more complex compounds, including organic substances. In Kenyon's words, the goal of the work is to find plausible uniformitarian mechanisms. For the gradual, spontaneous generation of living matter from relatively simple molecules thought to have been abundant on the surface of the primitive Earth. I admire this man's vocabulary, but let's define a few of his words. What are plausible uniformitarian mechanisms? The dictionary says plausible means 
seeming likely to be true but open to doubt, superficially trustworthy. Seemingly likely to be true but open to doubt, superficially trustworthy. Right, a plausible idea is not necessarily true, but at least it wouldn't be completely ridiculous. It sounds possibly true. Then what are plausible uniformitarian mechanisms? Uniformitarianism is the belief that if we observe the way nature behaves today, we can assume that it has always acted that same way. The forces and phenomena of nature supposedly behave in the same way and with the same intensity and speed today as they did in the past. So things have always been uniformly as they are today. Uniformitarianism is one popular idea, but it's not the unanimous opinion of all scientists. I think I see where plausible uniformitarian mechanisms would fit into theories about the origin of living organisms. I suppose these mechanisms would be the forces of nature that could possibly have made the first living organism. You suppose correctly. Referring to the research by Miller and others, the sentence said, The goal of the work is to find plausible uniformitarian mechanisms for the gradual, spontaneous generation of living matter. How could anyone make spontaneous generation sound plausible? Didn't Pasteur disprove the idea of spontaneous generation once and for all? Well, Pasteur demonstrated by repeated experiments that life does not originate spontaneously from non-life in today's atmosphere. That's why Miller and others hypothesised that Earth once had a different atmosphere. Their experiments were with what they called a primordial atmosphere. They speculated about what gases could have surrounded the Earth during its early ages. And they speculated that lightning and other natural forces could have combined these gases first into organic compounds and that these substances then developed into the first living cell. Is that plausible? No, for two reasons. Firstly, recent discoveries cast doubt on the idea that Earth ever had that kind of atmosphere, containing methane, ammonia and other simple compounds. Complicating the idea further, if that atmosphere had any significant amount of oxygen, it would have decomposed any organic compounds that formed. And secondly, experiments have never demonstrated that that atmosphere would have produced life in even its simplest one-celled form. That information isn't in my textbooks. Let me make sure I understand correctly. First, no one has proven that the Earth ever had the kind of atmosphere that Miller simulated in his experiments. And if that atmosphere contained much oxygen, the oxygen would have broken up any organic compounds that formed. Yes, in fact, several recent discoveries create serious doubts that Earth's atmosphere had much resemblance to what Miller hypothesised. And second, experiments that have never demonstrated that even that kind of ideal atmosphere would spontaneously generate anything that can accurately be called life. Right, so Dr Kenyon points out that the whole concept never was more than a hypothesis. He continues, there are significant reasons for doubt. In the years since the publication of Biochemical Predestination, I've been increasingly struck by a peculiar feature of many of the published experiments in the field. In most cases, the experimental conditions have been so artificially simplified as to have virtually no bearing on any actual processes that might have taken place on the primitive Earth. 
The laboratory conditions of the experiments are so simplified that no primitive ocean would have been that uncomplicated. Correct. Dr Kenyon adds, Other aspects of origin of life research have contributed to my growing uneasiness about the theory of chemical evolution. And one of these is the enormous gap between the most complex protocell model systems produced in the laboratory and the simplest living cell. What is a protocell? It's a hypothetical object that I'm not sure ever existed. Supposedly, it was an organised system of non-living materials which some scientists speculate could be an evolutionary step leading towards the first living cell. Professor Kenyon wrote about it, Anyone familiar with the structural and biochemical complexity of the genus Mycoplasma, for example, should have serious doubts about the relevance of any of the various laboratory protocells to the actual historical relevance of cells. Would Professor Kenyon say that he no longer believes life created itself? Yes. He says it's extremely unlikely that non-living chemicals combine themselves complexly enough to become living matter. Just as two programmes ago, Professor Polanyi expressed doubts that ink splashed itself onto pages to form books worth reading. Exactly. Non-living objects without intelligence simply don't put themselves together in intelligent combinations. That's a right reserved for beings with brains. I like that. Non-living objects without intelligence simply don't put themselves together in intelligent combinations. That's a right reserved for beings with brains. Researchers keep discovering deeper and deeper complexity at the biochemical and genetic levels of every living organism. And every new discovery makes it more difficult to believe that atmospheric chemicals and lightning spontaneously generated that complexity. And it becomes easier to believe that infinite wisdom created it. The idea of an all-wise creator god is making more sense than ever. Let me ask where you live. That determines which email address you'll need to contact us. In most countries, use TruthTest at truthinthetesttube.org. That's truthtest at truthinthetesttube.org. Listeners in India have their own address, testtube at radio882.com. That's testtube at radio882.com. And the phone number in India is 91-984-561-6412. Repeating, 91-984-561-6412. With so many ways to communicate these days, we encourage you to contact us. TruthTest at truthinthetesttube.org or testtube at radio882.com. Thanks for making Truth in the Test Tube a street for two-way communication. Communication.